Welcome back to Brazil Crypto Report. Today, we're joined by Nicole Dicecant, who's one of Brazil's top capital markets lawyers. We talk about her work with Fireblocks, the Digital Real, and new regulations being drafted by the Central Bank. Great. So we're here today with Nikki Dicecant. Nikki, it's so great to have you on the show. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm, I'm very happy to be here. Thank amazing. you. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Uh, yeah, long time coming. It took us a while to get this scheduled, but I'm, I'm so glad we were able to pull it off. Um, so to start off, why don't you just give us a bit of a background on yourself personally and professionally and how you got into crypto, Web3, digital assets? Sure, sure. My pleasure. So I'm a trained uh, capital markets and financial a lawyer. So I've been practicing law for over 20 years, or maybe a little more. And I would say in the last three years, or maybe a little uh, longer than this, I've been involved in the crypto space and digital assets. Um, I first started uh, looking to this amazing world with uh, Hashdex in the beginning of its formation. Uh, Marcelo Sampaio, the, the co-founder and CEO, was kind enough to invite me to be co-founder back then and I was very involved with my own software that I, I co-founded called Compliasset, which is the Tradify um, and for investment managers, uh, RagTech. And we I, I was very focused into that, but I did love the idea to be involved with digital assets. And I started to be uh, working as a lawyer and advisor for them in the beginning. Um, so since, since 2018, I've been working uh, with Hashdex as an advisor. And then I became full-time employee in 21. I stayed uh, a bit, uh, uh, I think a bit over one year and a half as their head of legal and compliance. So that was when I really went in deep into crypto and learned, you know, uh, pretty much, um, I, would, I wouldn't say everything that I know because this is so fast. And today I've been six months out of this company and working with a lot of other stuff. So yeah, it was like a mix, but I'm very grateful to hashtags to put me in this uh, amazing world. Um, so I, I ended up leaving the company in December uh, last year and became advisor again. So kind of a 360 uh, round path uh, back to when I started, what, what, what I did in the beginning, because I wanted to see Aaron more, exactly more um, verticals than only, you know, the capital market and an investment uh, side of the blockchain, you know, which pretty much uh, the assets itself. So I started to be interested in learning more about tokenization and all the real assets, you know, uh, capabilities to be tokenized and also the real digital. So uh, I started ad uh, advising Fireblocks the global infrastructure company, right? I think everyone in this space know about Fire, knows about Fireblocks. Um, and I'm very happy to be with the company because, you know, it's an amazing, amazing company culture-wise and also their product. I'm super fan. So I started to pitch uh, Fireblocks to hashtags back when I figured out, you know, the differences between cold and wall, uh, warm wallet and uh, all the different types of products that Fireblocks had. So I, I became fan of the company even before starting to working with them closely. So again, uh, we are um, able to support not only in the MPC technology, which is the traditional product they started to offering in Brazil, 
but also there's a CBDC project and stable coins uh, and other payments uh, solutions too. So today is a pretty complete and there are a, a broad spectrum of uh, products and services that Fireblocks is offering down here. And I've been involved with all of them, uh, with the clients, community, and also the regulatory side that it's very important also to, to kind of um, teach the client and try to help them while they are starting using this uh, crypto and, and you know, uh, blockchain products. I'm spe specifically talking about uh, Tradify, all these um, financial institutions that are coming into the space, okay? So that's the main thing I've been involved today. And also I've been advising, I've, I've, I'm in the regulatory and compliance committee for uh, Q, QR Vortex tokenization firm, which is a firm that is in the, it is in the regulatory sandbox from CVM, uh, mostly tokenizing uh, uh, securities, bonds, corporate bonds, and um, fund, fund quotes, fund shares, close-ended funds. So it's, it's specific securities that they have authorization to uh, issue and negotiate and distribute into the, to the um, regulatory sandbox. And the last firm I'm uh, advising right now is uh, the uh, uh, 2TM, which is the holding company for Mercado Bitcoin, the largest uh, crypto exchange in Brazil. So we are also involved in um, different uh, verticals with them uh, for the vast controls and the vast rulemaking process, you know, um, and also for the, the tokens, uh, fixed income tokens platform. That there are also some rules uh, and uh, CVM staff orientations come into this space. So as, as you can see, it's a, uh, a lot of different verticals kind of mix it up in some point because they're all into this digital assets uh, framework, but uh, a lot of different stuff going on and very interesting, all of them. Yeah, I'm, I'm amazed that you have any free time uh, in addition to all those <laughs> projects you're working on. That's pretty incredible. Um, <laughs> So yeah, uh, very, yeah, very job to talk to the community. So I have to make time for that, right? So it's, it's <laughs> well, I appreciate me. you making time for me in the midst of all of uh, in our in the Brazil Crypto Report audience here in the midst of all of that. So, um, so maybe maybe let's start with your work with Fireblocks in particular. Um, and yeah, I know uh, I, I did have Georgie uh, on the podcast a few months ago. He kind of gave us a bit of a rundown of of, of Fireblocks's work in Brazil and kind of you know his 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 role as head of business development, but would love to kind of kind of tap into maybe a bit more of uh, what you're what you're working on, what your what your role is with Fireblocks, and and particularly on more of like the regulatory side. Um, obviously, as the as a you know, capital markets uh, attorney by background, and and having been engaged in the Brazilian uh, regulatory process for 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 you know two decades now on on these types of issues. So, would love to kind of get your um, your your thoughts on on like we just learn more about what you're what you're working on in that front, and then also you know I saw. Obviously, we had the big announcement a couple of weeks ago, uh, the new bank announcement. Um, yeah. Maybe just talk a bit more about, like, you know, maybe what does that announcement entail, or what are you guys, what are, what, what was that partnership look like, and then what other types of partners do you maybe have uh, in the pipeline or that you're potentially working with uh, in the Brazil uh, community? Right. Yeah. Listen. So it's a very like sweet, uh, nice moment to be working with Fireblocks because you know we are. Um, we are close to this new uh, moment of the regulation, 
And because of this uh, being so close to be become true, do we have a regulated market in the in the in Brazil? It's attracting a lot of financial institutions and banks and and, and payment institutions to work closely with blockchain and you know start navigating this system uh, so in this industry. So I would say pretty much all of the relevant institutions are studying some kind of are studying, testing, you know, trying to work in a way. And it's very new to everyone, especially to them. So uh, it's very likely that they need support, you know, uh, in terms of products, consulting work, you know, to try to help them to, to start uh, navigating this, this new world. And in terms of everything, compliance, product, distribution, and, 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 tech, and technological tools, right? So I think Fireblocks realized that Brazil, it's, it's becoming huge, not only because of its size and the high adoption of crypto. As you know, we have a high a level of adoption. Last time I seen, we, I think we were between the fifth position and the seventh position in chain analysis adopt, adoption index uh, in the world. So, I mean, it's, uh, and, and, and we are becoming a hub for, for Americas especially with all this mo movement about, you know, firms leaving the U.S. and the U.S. becoming kind of a um, uh, bad territory and insecure territory for crypto firms. So I think Brazil is benefiting for, one, this, you know, facts. Second of all, we do have uh, very good and pro-innovation regulators, both Brazilian central bank regulators and the CVM, uh, in terms of their posture, in terms of their openness to talk to the market and to, to partner with the market and start. Be, of course, we have thresholds, we have legal mandates they have to abide. And there are some limits that even the regulators have to follow. For example, before having the law, we had a problem because without a law, the Brazilian Central Bank wouldn't be appointed as the regulator for the VASPs and CVM had its mandate only in securities, which still true. So we have to navigate through this bigger framework. But that being said, they could have like a, a bad or a good posture in terms of regulating and talking to the market how they can and they ha they're having the best amazing work they can. So again, I think Fireblocks and other players could read into that and say that together with what I've just said about Brazil being this relevant in the industry, that is a very good conjunct, like a uh, 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 whole picture for to, to be at. So let's work uh, with the financial institutions that are very well positioned already in terms of compliance, in terms of process. It's very different than, for instance, uh, trying to work with crypto native firms that will have to adopt everything in terms of compliance, governance, legal to be able to be registered, right? So I think our main focus right now is there's institutional firms and financial institutions um, to be able to provide a techno technology custody service for them, a tech, uh, 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 tools. Uh, we are we are trying to position ourselves as a relevant service provider instead of a VASP. So we do not compete with our client. We do not interfere in the money flow. 
So I think my main job is, you know, trying to help people to separate the wheat from the grass and understand what is the role of a VASP, what is the role of a service, a tech service provider, uh, and how we can help them in our role. So I think that's one of my, you know, main challenges uh, slash goals. And the third one is actually help them with the clients. And I've been working for this industry for 20 years. So I do know, you know, a lot of people in the, in the scene and uh, talk to the, to the banks and help them to translate, you know, the mindset of a global company to the, how the Brazilian think about it in, uh, in a, like, you know, in the business relationship. So that's another thing. And also, talking to the community, to the regulators, self-regulators. I'm talking all the time with Ambima, um, CVM, Brazilian Central Bank, clients for strategic partnerships and how we're going to position ourselves in this rulemaking process. Uh, I think we're going to talk more about this, but we're going to have you know, public consultations that we will be able to, to uh, uh, um, manifest ourselves in written. So we might be willing to talk, to do this together with some clients, you know. So, yeah, I think we Blocks is very well positioned now to help uh, Brazilian firms, uh, like gathering this uh, huge global team where we have knowledge of what is happening in the whole world. So we do also can help our regulators and our clients with what we are seeing abroad. That helps a lot. Also, you know, this expertise. And of course, me helping them with my expertise from Brazil and Atom. Great, great. And maybe sticking along this theme of kind of the rulemaking process, uh, we had, it's been about maybe a month and a half since the, the central bank was kind of had the formal authorization of being, a formal designation yeah. of being the regulator for the industry. And that, that, that we were sort of waiting for that moment to really kick off the rulemaking process, right? And, um, I was hoping you could maybe just explain, like, what does this process look like, right? For maybe explaining this for a, for a foreign audience that doesn't that's not really familiar with how Brazilian financial regulation works. Like, how does this rulemaking process look like? What are the what are the key issues that they are are trying to tackle in in the in the um, kind of this licensing framework that they're creating for VASPs? Yeah. And um, and then maybe what's the what does the timeline look like? What are some of the key uh, milestones? And and when when do they need to actually you know kind of finish this and actually start? Uh, opening bidding for for or opening the application window for for companies to apply for a license. Sure. So we have different uh, departments within the Brazilian Central Bank, right? And the main department in charge of doing the the rule is the call, the one called Denor. So Denor is the I think the translation would be the the rulemaking department, um, and they they will put into public consultation. Uh, they've mentioned already this, uh, for, I think they public a uh, note, like an official note from the Brazilian Central Bank talking about public consultations. So you can listen, it's probably it's going to be more than one, um, which is not actually uh, a very standard procedure for a new rule. Normally it's only one. So uh, I tried to understand this a little bit. I think we're going to see uh, in a very, uh, very soon, probably the first uh, uh, public consultation that we'll put into uh, for the market to comment. 
Sorry, can I, can I pause really quick there? So are, you think they're doing more than one public consultation just because of kind of the complexity and maybe the, the novelty and the newness of this? Like this, this isn't, this yeah. is, there's, there's a lot of moving pieces here that they need to get right. So they're really trying to get, you know, the right feedback from the right stakeholders. Is that, is that kind of why they're exactly. doing it differently here? That's exactly my feeling because, you know, it, I think it happened in the fintech world when they started to regulate the, the payments arrangements you know, they, they first, before that, they were only regulating the financial institutions. So it was a new market, a new type of negotiation model, new risks. So I think it's kind of the same here. And I, I think it's fair to say that they're, they are looking even further to understand the, 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 the different types of assets, the different types of uh, uh, trading, you know, negotiation model, custody, all the different uh, try to different players, and also you know it's it's very new to them. So I think they are trying to validate all the concepts first. So they when they come with the regulation and you know different types of VASPs, different different types of probably uh, capital requirement because of different risks. So they come in a more uh, you know uh, with more knowledge uh, already to come with the rules. So I think you are in the you are you are right. You are correct. Um, Great. So in terms of time frame, in terms of time frame that you asked, um, I think it's fair to 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 expect that they're gonna publish this one or two public consultations in the in uh, still in the second semester of this year. So probably you know within a couple of months uh, we will have something. And then uh, firms that are that, that are already operating into the system, they have at least at least six months as a temporary license, as what we'll call like the godfathering rights, to continue operate um, until they have the, the the permanent license. Okay, so I think some point next year after the final rule is published, we're gonna have the first. Uh, uh, entities confirmed as a temporary license, you know, because you're going to have to, to see what, what the, the rule will come in terms of what is actually inside the godfathering rights, right? Because, you know, it's another discussion if it's only a taxpayer number, which I don't think so. I think you've you got to have to show transactions in Brazil, Brazilian clients, like taking, for instance, as the model, like they did with the fintechs, they analyzed if the fintech was, uh, ha like they went through the volume of the transactions and especially the uh, what was uh, coming through resilience channels. And there's other things that we can consider, you know, we consider like a whole list. So I think it's going to have uh, a case-by-case -case analysis from the Brazilian Central Bank that's another department, not the, D, the DNR, that's called the DR, which is the authorization department. So coming back to what I was telling, so DNR is the rulemaking department, but other departments are also interacting with them to try to come up with this uh, capital requirements, uh, you know, how, how we're going to, you know, create criteria for licensing this VASP. So I think they are doing, the, it's very independent, each department, but... I'm sure they are talking to each other and having like, you know, as a, a group of work interactions because this will affect more than one department. So again, the ARF will uh, authorize 
each of the regulatory, like the potential VASPs. And I think it's also fair to expect that in the second semester of 24, we're going to have the uh, permanent license and the new, and the new players coming into this regulated market, right? So probably they will take around, I think, six months in terms of uh, consultation, public consultation and rulemaking process, and around six months also to start to have actually the permanent authorizations, and especially for new entities. So I think it's fair to say that it's going to be at least three months to six months process of this. So my expectation, and again, this is personal. It's like a, like thinking, taking into consideration uh, past and a big process as the fintech one. Um, that the at the until the end of twenty four, we're gonna have. So before Roberto Campinato leave the his mandate, I think we're gonna have both vast regulation into place already in force, and the drags coming as a, a real digital money also working, you know, uh, out of the, the pilot. So that's my expectation. Maybe I'm too optimist, <laughs> but I think, I think it's a, a good expectation. So, so just to kind of summarize and make sure I'm understanding correctly. So here we're, we're here in August, 2023. And uh, right now we're in kind of this consultation period, rulemaking period, and probably maybe by the end of the year, the bank will finish with the kind of the, the rulemaking consultative period, the first half of next year will really be about issuing some of these temporary licenses to the firms that have been grandfathered in uh, or that are, are, are trying to be grandfathered in essentially um, arguing that, look, we were already operating here. We should have, we should be you know, allowed to continue to operate because we were already here. And um, what you're saying is that there's essentially uh, there's going to need to be a test of some sort to determine who is like legitimately operating here versus who just had a, you know, had a, had a company set up, but wasn't actually yeah. doing anything. Yeah. And then, and then and toward the, the back half of it set up because it's right. not important before the decree, it has to be, uh, it should be already working in Brazil. So if I set up a company right now and try to, you know, prove to the Brazilian central bank, probably they will say it was too late. Okay. Got it. Yeah. And then, and then, so then more toward the second half of next year, 2024 will be when, uh, you start you start ha seeing companies beginning to actually apply for and receive actual permanent VASP licenses. Essentially, is, is that's that's that seems yeah. like a that seems fairly realistic, I suppose. Why do you think? Um, you think it's uh it's too too optimistic? I mean, I I just say any provision, any any estimation like this involving government, I usually just prolong by like you know twice <laughs> as long as you think it's going to take. But I mean, maybe. <laughs> But let's put it this way. So we push them. Our job, you know, as uh, industry players is to push them. Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to have opportunity also to be engaged in different parts. So, again, they when they publish the consultation, they will expect, you know, players like us, you know, anyone. You, you don't have to be regulated to submit your thoughts. So I think it's more than welcome. And I think we should participate as association. So now Fireblocks into is into a big crypto and also, you know, as individuals, because it's very important for them in this process. Great, great. And um, maybe I'd like to ask, also ask a bit about like your, just your experience working with the central, but I assume you've worked with the central bank on similar issues, you know, over the course of your career. And, you know, I, I think one of the, one of the, the, the exciting things about, about 
the, the Brazilian central bank in this particular context is that there does seem to re- be a real strong like competency. Like there, there seems to be, these yes. are people that have really like, they've, they've really dug in. They've really understand the technology yes. and, and, and they're, they're I mean, I, I don't know if this is true or not, but I heard that like Roberto Campos Neto was like mining Bitcoin, you know, like a long time ago. Yeah, um, I don't know. I don't yeah. know if that's true or not. Someone told me that someone, I think it was on a podcast episode a few episodes ago, but like, I don't know if it's true or not, but, um, but anyway, but I would just like your thoughts on, you know, as far as your your dialogue with the central with with these various agencies or with these divisions within the central bank on these topics, like how have you found their openness toward you know their I guess a their understanding of of these issues and the technology, and also b their openness to really learn from the private sector and and folks such as yourself, uh, just given how dynamic this industry is and how things are kind of changing you know every other day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, true. Uh, yeah, well, my whole life I've been engaging with regulators. And um, so until like my ten, my first 10 years of career, I, I worked for a broker dealer called Agora that was acquired by Bradesco Bank. So the first 10 years of my career, every move we made, we had to approve with the Brazilian Central Bank. And that was with DORF, this authorization and licensing department. So uh and, you know, I'm talking about every capital increase, change of directors, of course, the M&As and everything. So uh, and also in the CVM side, I've been you know, working with staff for institutional investors, you know, board of directors, all capacities that you can imagine. And, and later on, I worked with Marcelo Trindade. There was another Brazilian CVM uh, chairman. Um and started my career, Marcelo Barbosa, that just left the government. So my whole, whole career, more than 20 years dealing with them. And I can tell you that I'm very, very, like 100% proud of their technical capacities, how the way they don't, you know, uh, involve with particulars in a way they shouldn't, but only, you know, to learn and, of course, to supervise. So it's, it, it's ve- like, it's very, very, uh, both of them are very, you know, like very um, technical and uh, I'd never had any bad experience dealing with these people for this whole time that I've told you. So, and today I think uh, it's the same. So they are doing, now I'm talking of Brazilian Central Bank, a very hard homework to understand this whole new market. And I'm only like amazed how, how you said like, Probably Roberto Bitcoin, uh, Roberto Campos mined his own Bitcoin. I don't know about that. But if you talk to them, probably they will teach you things that you don't know about your own stuff. So they are digging very hard. It's true. I mean, sometimes I talk to people that they kind of like amaze me how they're understanding about this, which is, you know, not simple, especially if you are sat in a chair of regulator and you don't put your hands into stuff. So uh, it's, it's very nice. Um, so they are doing this, you know, uh, studies and, and meetings with players uh, since I would say before uh, they started actually preparing the rule. Uh, but probably because they spoke to so many people and so many different stakeholders from a bank to a crypto native firm, they're having a whole wide, you know, different l- answers for one topic and i'm talking about segregation of assets i'm talking about custody you know uh uh the type of licensing so i think one of the reasons they are actually wanting to do this uh in a more you know two-folded process you know maybe two more than one public consultation 
it's it because they are talking with a lot of people and because they are talking with a lot of people, uh, it also becomes uh, difficult to conciliate all the interests and answers. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, there's just, it, but it, it does seem that they've they've really done their some of their homework and just really trying to dialogue with with different uh, you know using the tech and you know dialoguing with the people that are building the tech and that kind of thing. Um, I'd like to switch gears yeah. here a little bit and talk about uh, the digital real uh, or Drex mm -hmm. as it's now known. Uh, it's it's going to probably take a little while to start calling it Drex instead of digital real, but <laughs> um, uh, it's already even. I mean, it was four days ago we got the announcement. The name is kind of growing on me. When I first saw it, I was like, "That's weird," and the, but now it's like, "All right, Drex." So, can... so, so you have two projects that you are advising that are both involved in the Drex Digital Rail Consortia, Fireblocks. Um, I don't know if I, is Fireblocks in one of the consortia or at least your clients are in the consortia. So, yes, and... exactly. So we are supporting clients that are in the consortium and we do have uh, our, so we do have someone very senior from Fireblocks, which is Varumpo, the director of CBDC. He was a former employee, employee at the uh, England Central Bank and he's very engaged with different use cases in CBDC. So he's helping, you know, not only our clients to think about how they can, you know, improve their pilots, their, their position in the pilots, but also to the Brazilian Central Bank to try to help them uh, in different, you know, problems and, and smart contract structure. So uh, we are thinking, we are trying to, to see if we can help somehow. With our expertise great great and then maybe just kind of walk us through what I and mean, you also have mercado bitcoin right which is under the 2tm umbrella which is also mercado bitcoin has its own uh, consortium as well with with i think mastercard yeah. and a few other people um still trying to remember like there's so many people in these different in, companies yeah, in these consortiums in, yeah, yeah it's a big consortium they ended uh i think mercado bitcoin is the leader and so it looks like now we're actually getting i think we've got about three uh, of these consortiums that have actually spun up the nodes uh, within the consortium uh, or yes. within the pilot, I should say. And um, I'm just kind of curious as to your take on like, what do you see? I realize you're not, you're not like necessarily the technical person who's like building these things out, but like yeah. just from your, 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 you have sort of like the, the bird's eye view of all these different projects. Right. Um, but what are you, what are you looking for as far as results wise, you know, timetable wise out of this project? Uh, of this, uh, of this, this cons of this pilot project, and what would you know for your clients or or the clients that Firebox is supporting within this cons this project? What would what would be what would, what does success look like basically? Yes, I think so. Uh, they are actually you know try, uh, testing the functions that uh, it's written there in the in the public uh, calls for for the pilot. So what I've heard is that it's everything going according to the timeline. So it's basically, you know, uh, having now for, for now, I think they already have the smart contract structure that needs to be the same within all the banks. So uh, that guarantees the inter interoperability. Right. So each bank, we're going to have like a, 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 um, a different token in terms of it's going to represent a different tokenized deposit, but it needs to be the same structure. So I think that was the first challenge. And I've according to what I've heard, this challenge is being, uh, you know, solved accordingly. And uh, things that they are still dealing with is, uh, you know, certain terms of like for privacy to assure uh, co uh, compliance with the 
Brazilian uh, GDPR, the uh, LGPD, right? Uh, because the Brazilian Central Bank wants to be 100% sure that when this project goes out to the public, it's um, same structure, same uh, views that they have in the, in, the, in the physical normal world. So they, they, they cannot assess, assess information that they don't need to assess or they cannot assess according to our uh, privacy rules, right? So I think that's one thing that uh, firms within the consortiums are still working with uh, Brazilian Central Bank to assure this level of privacy compliance. And that's where firms like Fireblocks and our partners can help with, right? To power and uh, to streamline this, uh, so the try to, you know, actually deliver the solutions that the problems present in the real uh in the real tests and i think in terms of you want to go oh yeah so i was i was just going to chime in and say uh this is kind of with you with your 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 new bank partnership announcement it was the the kind of the scope of work in the announcement was okay we're not only doing you know custody for new bank but we're also going to be providing you know various yeah. services related to new bank's role in the in the digital rail uh direct Yes, we are starting them whatever. in the pilot too. In, yeah, so it's so it's basically a mix of so it's a lot of this is a lot of these aren't like some of these services are custody, but some of these will be like what are some of the other types of areas you know as far as that that like a new bank would would like require fireblocks for within specifically within the context of uh, of the digital rail. So I think uh, as a relevant service provider for the, their tech, we will like, support all the infrastructure behind uh, their VASP. So they will be able to offer uh, trading and custody solutions to their clients. And our uh, tech solutions will provide uh, the infrastructure behind, you know. So um, so basically, you know, empowering them to go and then using our network, we have that more than you know, around 2,000 clients that using our network. So this also can help to mitigate counterparty risks and uh, make a, a faster transactions, you know. Uh, so we are moving into like DVP and smart transfers within our uh, network. So all this can help a lot, not only our clients, but also uh, I think uh, people that are interacting as counterparty into the system. Um, and, uh, and for the pilot itself, I think, because we have this, you know, mint and burn software that helps the, 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 all the, 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 the tests, the, everything that's occurring into this testing framework to be, you know, easier and with like friendlier reports and things like that, and how you can control all, all the, everything that is happening with governance, um, layers before you enter actually into the, to the blockchain. So I think it's basically, you know, helping and empowering our clients to to be in a better position to offer their services to their clients. Yeah, and I think part of this that's interesting is with this when you look at the digital real uh, this sort of this foundation, this base layer that's being created, we still don't really know like what the actual kind of like end applications and product are going to be in a lot of these cases like we've got some mm -hmm. you know we've got some like hackathons and things that are where, you know, where people are trying to just like come up with use cases that you can build on the digital rail so so a lot of these it seems like there's a lot of fluidity right now just in terms of like what 
like what services are actually going to be required uh, or, 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 or like what are the applications that are going to need to be supported using this tech? So I think it seems like a, well, a company it, like. Yeah, there's some kind of definitions into uh, the, the main thing that they publish when they called for the institutions, which is like the use cases that are being tested. It's, it's pretty actually, it's pretty defined actually. So the first is what the wholesale CBDC, which is the central bank debt. And that's only restricted to banks to access it. And that's the, 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 uh, pa, uh, pa, um, that's Brazilian central bank responsibility, liability, right? And then there is the second case that is being tested, which is the tokenized deposit. So I, Nicole, you, Aaron, you put your money into the bank and that's going to be tokenized uh, and represent your deposit. And then there we can go from Itaú to certain there in this atomic transaction DVP. So I can, you know, sell my, uh, my uh, um, token, my, my deposit from tokenized deposit from Itaú to certain there in one transaction. So it's it's going to be more efficient and that's it's been already tested in the pilot. OK, and that there is the last use case that I, I don't think it's being tested right now. It's the the last one. Uh, I think according to the timeline, it's going to be tested only in February next year, which is the tokenized federal bonds. OK, so uh, the, the treasury bonds from the government so I can buy with digital money and buy this tokenized in one DVP, one atomic transaction. Okay, so this is the actually three cases that it's gonna be tested until the end of next year. And in terms of uh, when we can expect to have something out of the pilot, I think it's also also end of 2024. 20, okay, got so, it, got it. Yeah, that's then- the expectation to have this until again, until the end of Roberto Campos Neto's mandate uh, to have something for for the actual community in, uh, out of the pilot. And do you think there's a risk here that if if some of these projects end up being prolonged uh, kind of past 2024 when uh, Campos Neto's mandate expires, is there a risk that um, that that like the next central bank president, you know, may not be as favorable to this sort of stuff and might, you know, devote resources elsewhere or, 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 but obviously with, with the regulation, like this is obviously codified in law and this is, you know, but I mean, how much of a risk do you think there is to, um, you know, with, with just this this turnover within the central bank? So I think unfortunately the risk exists. It's, um, we have a very like independent staff and a technical body, as we said, you know, there are a lot of people being involved in this project from a long time ago, even before the pilot was there uh, thinking about this. But at the end, it's uh, up to, you know, the, the chairman has the, like the final powers. So I don't even th- like to think about that because, you know, kind of give me anxiety to think about all this pilot could go away uh not like things can change but i honestly wouldn't expect that because i think there's a lot of people that are actually involved in this project in the bank and uh i think that's something that puts the country in a very you know uh interesting position you know uh, like global wise so i think it i i think it would be a waste of everyone's uh time and i wouldn't expect that 
And then we only have a couple minutes left here, so I just want to touch on one final subject, um, which is some of your work with uh, some of these tokenization companies, uh, mm-hmm. specifically the the QR tokenizadora, and then also uh, 2TM, which has its own uh, kind of uh, tokenization arm, uh, I believe, under Mercado Bitcoin. Um, but obviously, the the over the last three months or so, there's been quite a bit of back and forth between the industry and the CBM on on uh, these fixed income tokens and uh there's seems like there's a little bit of tension there as far as you know defining what's a security what's not a security and things of that nature and um i was just hoping you could kind of summarize maybe just what is sort of the point of contention here um and what is what is the pain point and um you know maybe what's what are you kind of how are you involved in these conversations yeah sure so um like since uh i would say a couple of uh maybe years or maybe months ago we started to have this um, tokens being offered in the market and they are fixed income tokens and future receivables tokens uh, and they were operating into a completely unregulated market right so they were being offered for by, by some tokenization firms uh, with um, you know, certain uh, level of uh, publicity on that, and that caused CVM att- attention, right? So CVM started to to see, and they also interacted with CVM, and um, and uh, so they first realized that that could be uh, an interaction with the securities market. It could be kind of a, a gray zone, and they, you know, consult CVM. CVM started to also consult with them. And in the beginning of uh, April, we had the first uh, staff letter, um, and it was from the Securitization uh, Superintendency, SSE, the, the staff letter number four from beginning of April, saying that uh, according to their interpretation of the Howey test and their analysis for this market, uh, most of this, uh, you know, with there are certain things are being done, for instance, like being offered to the public, um, these tokens could be considered, as fixed income and futures receivable tokens could be considered securities. So put uh, the market into a position that they could uh, have been offering these uh, tokens without CVM's authorization, wh- whereas this could be required. Um, so the, the association Abbey Crypto came into CVM and also firms independently uh, to try to figure out um, the best way to comply because CVM did appoint a, so like a path that they need to follow, for instance, to register as a crowdfunding platforms and also do a type of securitization uh, before putting these tokens into the crowdfunding platforms. So um, it could, um, there were be uh, certain procedures to, to be followed, okay? But it's not very easy for these firms to comply with. There's a lot of process and a lot of uh, bureaucracy that they there have to achieve. So most of them would need some time. Most of them would need other waivers from this crowdfunding regulations for them to be able to continue offering these tokens. So we are now into these discussions with CVM uh, by uh, association and uh, independently trying to, you know, come to a, a better term to be able to still offer this according to CVM staff demands. 
So, uh, and um, a month after the first one or two months, I think it was last month, staff, SSE, published another letter with some better, like some clarifications that the industry had questioned. And already, I would say some waivers that it's already put in there for all the industry to to be to be a little less burden burdensome, but still it's ongoing conversation. So now what we have is uh, mainly uh, Crypto sent a big letter in the name of all the asso associate firms, the member firms, and uh, this will be judged by the staff and will be, be going to be ruled out by the staff and by the CVM board. So we have to wait and, and see how it's going to be next steps, uh, basically according to this. And also, you know, if any firm asks uh, independent uh, process, CVM will likely to reply independently to them. Got it. Got it. So it's so there's kind of been this back and forth of, um, you know, the, the industry was just sort of issuing these tokens with without any real clear, there's a real clear guidance or framework or anything. And then CVM comes and says, if you want to do this, like you've got to do all these things, X, Y, Z. Then the industry comes back and says, if we have to do all these things, then that that sort of negates any of like the efficiency gains, negates the entire point of issuing a token, uh, negates any of the efficiency gains we might, you know, we might reap by, by doing this tokenization process to begin with. And then, so there's kind of yeah. this like little tug of war essentially over. Um, yes, exactly. And, there were one precedent uh, before that, uh, it was a, a, a rulemaking process. Like was was a, a case from Vasco da Gama, the football club, that some firms took into consideration to understand that would be not considered as securities. Okay, so they did had some kind of uh, orientation that they would guide themselves to say that it would wouldn't be a security. But CVM says that this case was a little different. So yeah, so you took the 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 right thing it's it's been a little um discussion before uh with cvm between these firms to figure out the best way because anyone like it's not interested for cvm they didn't send a stop order they didn't say you know you have to stop they want this market to continue but they want a market to continue in a more regulated in in a way that they think it's right according to the law yeah, that's a good point. They're not they're not sending out stop orders. They're not like, you know, suing people. They're not, you know, they're not like they're, yeah. they're, they're, they seem to be acting in pretty good faith, I guess, which is, uh, you know, exactly. a, bit of a distinction from what we're seeing in other jurisdictions. Um, True. So, yeah, I like to defend that because, you know, it's um, it's if you talk to anyone involved into the process, they will say that, you know, we could be you could we could have adopted a different posture here if we wanted to interrupt the market. So it's not that they think it's all illegal and it's all wrong. You know, they want to come to conclude, like to a better terms that it's like one in one hand protecting the investor, how they think it should be. And the other hand, protecting the market participants too. Great. Well, thank you for explaining that. That's super helpful. Um, sure. And then I know we're out of time here. So just want to give you the, the mic for any, any final thoughts and uh, how can people get in touch with you? Yeah, sure. So my networks are public, LinkedIn, Instagram, uh, Nicole Discount, and I see Discount in Instagram. Uh, super happy to address any questions you may have from this quick chat. 
And uh, I think my final like advice is like, stay tuned. We're going to have pretty uh, new things coming into the market from both regulators, self-regulators. We didn't have time to talk about Umbima's work next time. So I, I'm going to come back inviting myself, Aaron. Uh, there's a lot of uh, nice uh, orientations and uh, also work from the industry to help others. So just stay tuned to our uh, networks. Aaron also did a very good job in keeping everyone's informed. So, yeah. Amazing. Well, thanks so much for your time, Nikki. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Sure. Thank you. Thank you.